everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Girls hit you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. It's, uh, it's been a good bye, uh, I guess. Happy bye to everybody. Uh, bye week is over, though. Time to get back to business now with the Softy Hawk Blogger podcast. I think, Brian, that really is what most people miss about the bye is not being able to sit at home on Sunday, watch a football game, and wonder, hey, I wonder what Softy and Brian think uh, about what we're seeing today. Oh, nothing, because there's nothing going on. Don't you think that's the real downside of not having a Seahawks game is not getting our analysis after the, the weekend's over? Oh well, they they know how to <clears throat> excuse me how to get a hold of us, you know nice. whether it's it's Twitter or listening to you every day on the air or mm. you know uh, all the other places. We're, we're going to be talking whether there's something happening or not. That's just our nature. That so, is true. Uh, that is true. Yeah, but there really isn't concerned. Never concerned. There really isn't much to go over from last week though. Uh, but we do have a lot of stuff to look forward to. And before we do that, Brian, before we look ahead to the giant game on Sunday. I want to kind of get your thoughts on what we saw last night on Thursday Night Football between the Raiders and Chiefs. And just uh-huh. imagine for a second that Marshawn Lynch is still playing for the Seahawks and they're playing Kansas City like the Raiders are and an offensive lineman gets into a shoving match with Marcus Peters and Marshawn Lynch leaves the bench because, I don't know, let's say Robert Turbin was in the game or Kristen Michael or whoever, and he comes off the bench and shoves Justin Britt. All right, to protect his cousin Marcus Peters. What's your reaction right now? <laughs> uh, you know, you're not going to like it. My reaction is like, do we really have to talk about that? That that would be my <laughs> reaction because I just wouldn't. I don't really uh, that kind of stuff. You know, I don't really care. I mean, the fact that he would he got thrown out of the game and you know got a penalty against the team that I would care about, and um, whether or not they won, I'd care about. But you know. I tend to think that the locker room, those guys, those guys know what they're doing. They, they, they handle amongst themselves, and, and I don't think it means that much. Okay, so the answer, I don't care, doesn't really work here. You have to have an answer. You have to. You, you can't <laughs> yeah, ride the like fence. Sports radio. Yeah, like, uh, 101. I, I, Come I, on, I, dude. This is basic yeah, okay. stuff. But I think I, you just gave us your opinion. You, you, you think the Raider locker room would handle it just fine, just like you think the Seahawks locker room would handle it I, just I fine. I do. I do. I, I, I personally wouldn't be that upset about it. Huh. Um, I, I mean, Marshawn – Especially if it was Marshawn. I mean, Marshawn is is like uh, weird in that locker yeah. room, and 
and they would figure it out. So it just wouldn't it wouldn't register to me as a big deal. All right, fine, forget it then. I'm sorry I brought it up. Let's move ahead to the giant <laughs> game then on uh, on Sunday. So I'm I'm looking at a giant football team that in the last four games is one and three with the one win over Denver, obviously. But the reason why I go one and three and not one and five is because the three games leading up to the Denver game, they had the lead in the fourth quarter of all three of those games and blew it all three times. Uh, what are we looking at on paper? Are we are we looking at a true one and five awful roster or a football team that just got some bad breaks uh, in the first maybe four or five weeks of the year? No, it's definitely not. It's not a horrible team. And, and in fact, I'd go as far as to say, Softy, that you know the Seahawks could easily be looking like the Giants record-wise right now. If things go wrong in the 49ers game, if they don't get things worked out in the Rams game. Um, you know, this team could, could look pretty darn similar uh, record-wise. And what you see with the Giants is one of the best secondaries in football. I mean, every one of their cornerbacks um, are good to very good. Uh, Landon Collins, I think, is a, you know NFL Defensive Player of the Year caliber player, was amazing last year. He did something that has only been done twice, or twice before um, last year, where he had it was like five sacks and four interceptions or the vice versa, uh, as well as over 10 passes defense. There's like Brian Urlacher is one of the only other people that's ever done that. Um, they've got a defensive line that's got stars on it and, you know, Snacks Harrison and Jason Pierre-Paul. So they've got – they had the best defense in the NFL last year. Huge takeaway team. And this year, you know, for, for whatever reason, they haven't been able to perform at the same level, but they're incredibly dangerous. And, and on offense – it wasn't just the, the the Broncos game. They rushed for 152 yards the week before that as well. So they've yeah. started to find something in terms of their run game, and the Seahawks haven't really been as good against stopping the run um, as past year so far. So it's an issue. Yeah, the uh, the obvious issue with the Seahawks run defense has been giving up the big run. Uh, I think it's what second most 20-plus yard runs in football, which is seven overall after – the first five games of the year, run defense on average obviously is ranked uh, near the bottom quarter of the NFL. But I don't know. I mean, do we really believe that this Seahawks run defense is bad enough and can be exploited enough to allow Orleans Darkwa to go nuts on them on Sunday? Um, this is where my glass half full uh, nature comes in, I guess. I, I really think the Seahawks have shown um, the ability in past years and I've already started to show the ability this year that they've bottled up, they've closed those holes. Um, I think if Todd Gurley had had a you know a positive game against them, I'd feel differently. But I think that was a much tougher test than what they're facing against the Giants. I think that uh, you know they did relatively well against the Colts, who obviously aren't a huge rushing team, but they did well there. So I think a lot of that stuff hopefully is in the past. And I do expect the Seahawks defense to be able to hold the Giants down. Um, you know, anything more than 10 points would be a, a really disappointing performance mm. by the defense. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm with you on that because, uh, look, I understand that Sterling Shepard's back for the Giants this weekend, but I, I look at Eli Manning and maybe it's just his facial expression that he was born with. I just see a guy with that deer in headlights look. I mean, I know he wakes up that way looking like that, but when he plays the Seahawks, he really has that look, and the numbers show it, dude. Yeah, and, and the secondary, for, I mean, for the Seahawks, 
It's interesting. If, if you really want to look at the explosive pass um, situation, and, and you do it by the Seahawks numbers, the league talks about 20-yard-plus plays, but the Seahawks define an explosive pass as 16-plus yards and explosive rush as 12-plus yards. They've actually had more trouble with explosive passes this year than explosive rushes. Um, they're 21st in the NFL in defending explosive passes. They're 12th in explosive rushes. And a lot of that happened last, you know, in the last game against the Rams. They actually gave up eight explosive passes uh, to Jared Goff. So, um, you know, Manning's going to be looking, and they've got Evan Ingram, who's a, a legitimate tough matchup at tight end. And the Seahawks, by the way, three of those explosive passes against the Rams went to Higby, yeah. their tight end. The, the, the Seahawks do have a tendency to, to struggle at times with, with pass-catching tight ends. So, yeah, I'd like to think that, that the Seahawks defense is set up well to handle um, the Giants, and, and I do believe that. But, um, you know, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm saying, okay, yeah, there, there's a path here that, that I could believe um, we win, especially if the defense can turn over the Seahawks right. offense. Well, and I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to wonder kind of what the perception is of the Seahawks now across the country. I think for a good four or five year window there, and maybe it's still going on, that there was a little bit of an intimidation factor in regards to the Seahawks on the road when they came to town. It was a really big game and fans got kind of extra geeked up and extra sauced up for it. And I was talking to a buddy of mine that works for WFAN on the radio the other day, Paul Dettino, who covers the Giants. And I said, uh, is, is there still a fear factor with this Seahawk defense, with this Seahawk football team when they come to your town? And he said, no. He said no. He said they've lost that edge that they had a couple years ago, and maybe it's because of Marshawn Lynch not being here. Uh, maybe it's because Russell Wilson hasn't uh, apparently taken that step to join, you know, Brady and Rodgers and Breeze and guys like that in the upper echelon, upper tenth or so, one tenth of uh, of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. But uh, I I wonder what we would think about this football team if we were not Seahawks fans. You know. Uh, I think they've definitely lost that intimidation factor. And I, I would not, I mean, I think Lynch definitely would have helped, but you know, I, you know, hate to be a broken record to me. It's all about the offensive line. When you've got guys that are getting knocked on their can um, by opponents on a weekly basis and not even good opponents, like pretty much any opponent is able to overwhelm the Seahawks offensive line physically that just ends up you look scared you look timid in that case i mean your quarterback's running for his life the running backs are trying to to dance to find any hole you just you don't look aggressive you don't look um intimidating and i think that's a lot less to do with the defense i i do think the defense is a is a really tough um group to solve and has a lot of great players so you know interesting storyline this week is going to be what happens at left guard with luke jokel out and we have to cross our fingers and hope that Ethan Posick gets a chance and actually looks competent because we already know Mark Lewinsky has not been in the two years he's played that position. Yeah, you know, I want to go back to the running back situation real quick, though, because uh, my, my conversation with Warren Moon last week kind of stuck with me all week long. And then I asked him, I said, who do you trust right now to be on the that's on the roster to be a 20 plus 18 plus carry guy? And he said, nobody. He said, there's nobody on this roster that I trust that can do that. I mean, you know, you haven't added anybody really uh, since Carson went down. I guess you could say McKissick is going to get a bigger role, but you haven't gone out and added anybody off the street. Not that there's anybody to add, but are, are we at a point now after week six where it is what it is with this run game and that our hopes of them improving to a point where they could become maybe mediocre at best, at worst? 
uh, that that even might be too much to ask at this point? I, I don't think that. I, I, I believe that part of it is if, you, if you're asking for a 20, like a true feature back, a 20-plus carry a game back, that's a different question than can this team, you know, find a way to a reasonable run, run offense because I, I don't think they have a 20-plus carry back that you can rely on. You know, I've talked about that. I don't think – I think Rawls is their best back, but I don't think he's durable enough to handle that much of a load. I do think that you can cobble something together with the backs they've got um, to become a, a relevant running team. I mean, to me, it's pretty straightforward. It's Rawls, you know, is getting the, the lion's share, and that should be 12 to 15 carries. I would like to see someone like J.D. McKissick be the, the change of pace back. I think he's shown the most promise there, although C.J. Proceis has as well when he's healthy. Um, to me, Eddie Lacy is, is fourth out of four in terms of guys that I'd like to see in the backfield. And that's not just in third down for Proceis and McKissick. I think those guys should mix in, mix and match throughout the, the game. So right, right. I think they've got talent. We'll just have to see how it turns out. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do at that left guard spot when Jokel comes back. Because, first of all, I, I think he's going to be out a while. I, I, I mean, to me, the four to five weeks, uh, they're, they're always optimistic with those predictions and those and those uh, you know timelines. And I think you're talking about a guy that could be out for maybe a month and a half, if not a couple of months. So that's going to give a guy like Posick uh, plenty of time to figure it out and get his feet wet and I just wonder Brian if we've seen the last of Luke Jokel as a starting left guard for this football team period it's possible because uh, look I mean I won't go on a humiliating rant although I heard it and I got I went on it myself uh, on my show earlier this week uh, I don't know how we sign this guy to a guarant- fully guaranteed contract that part is just crazy to me it should have absolutely been incentive based because of this exact reason he got three ligaments torn you just like it made no sense that this was the deal and someone said well well that was his market price you know we would have lost him I'm like good lose him so this would have been someone else's problem we would have had eight million dollars to spend on somebody else somewhere else so I think that's a a disaster and I think the team you know they can explain it away but that's a problem Uh, look I think Ethan Posick is going to get a chance and hopefully he can step forward. I think he's going to be more competent. And people think, I mean, Joko was one of the more consistent offensive linemen this year. But it's not like he was good. He was just more consistent and a little bit, he was closer to average um, is what I would call him. So yeah. let, let's see what Posta can do. He's a second round pick. Give him a chance. Well, I just, uh, my, my, my biggest question, if you could ever get Schneider or Carroll um, in a private moment, maybe with a couple of cocktails inside of him, and ask him why did you give him seven million? Was somebody else offering six and a half? <laughs> I mean, honestly, and I'd love to know who those teams were. I mean, I, well, I not only not only that softy, but a big part of the way that they justified that contract is they said this guy can be our left tackle or our left guard. Right. And then what happened? They lost their left tackle, and they're like, oh, no, we cannot play him at left tackle. There's no way. We want to right. keep him at left guard. Right. So he, he was a guard, and he should have been priced as a guard, and he should have been priced as a guard with a serious knee injury who had never performed at any good level in his career. And so I think that was a huge miss. And now when you're looking at trying to make salary cap space for trades for the left tackle spot, you look at Jokel's salary, you look at Eddie Lacy's salary, and you say – those were big mistakes that are hampering the team from adding the talent that they now need. Well, how about this? Yeah, door number one is Eddie Lacy and Luke Jokel for $11 million or whatever it is, and door number two is T.J. Lang. Which door do you walk through? 
Well, you know, it's not even that. It's worse than that. It's it's a couple more million for T.J. Lang to get him yeah. to sign on the spot. Yeah, less, and then maybe right. it's a Riley Reef who was available and signed as left tackle in Minnesota. You know, the, that that's the kind of player they could have potentially had. So that's an issue. Um, I know we got to wrap up soon. I will tell you that the, the, the other thing to keep an eye on is the Seahawks have yet to score a point in the first quarter on the road this season. Mm-hmm. So that has to change, and, you know, I, I think I, I sent you an article about this. They get better when they start throwing more reliable, shorter passes. So I'm really hoping that, that we see a smarter game plan this week that does not involve the first quarter being full of 30, 40, 50-yard bombs down the field. Well, uh, first of all, they haven't scored much, period, in the first quarter uh, at all, right? And they've only scored in the first period against two of the worst teams in football, which are the Niners and the Colts. That's it. Yep. So they have yet to score a point in the first quarter against either A, a legitimate team, or B, a road team. And we might see, well, we'll see at least one of those things on Sunday. How about that for analysis, by the way? That was cutting-edge stuff right there. I love it. All right. What's happening at Pagliacci, by the way? Oh, glad you asked. We got a we got a new special this week. So, uh, oh. Hawk Blogger's the code still, but now five dollars off any order. So you don't have to just get the eleven inch pizza. You can get the full pizza. You can get the twelfth man primo pizza. You can get the lasagna, whatever. You get five bucks off if you use Hawk Blogger code. Wait a minute. There's a lasagna pizza. There is a lasagna, oh. not a lasagna pizza. They got lasagna. They got a pasta. I didn't know that about them, oh. actually. Uh, I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to giving it a shot. No, I know they have pasta there, but if you're telling me there's a lasagna pizza, that, that's like getting a donut cookie or a donut cake. I don't know, man. That's an awesome combination. All right, good stuff, dude. We'll talk in a week. I'll see you, man. Sounds good. All right. Uh, Brian Nemhauser, hawkblogger.com on the web. Like Facebook, it's free. It always will be, by the way. Uh, You can check him out on Twitter as well, at hawkblogger. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for coming by. Bye. Want more great Seahawks talk? Of course you do. Check out the Pedestrian Podcast. It's the official podcast of the UK Seahawkers. Hosted by Stuart Court, Adam Nathan, and Ross Bell. It's fun. It's British. You get accents. You get Seahawks. You get football. It's definitely worth it. They're at pedestrianpodcast.podbean.com or you can find them on iTunes. Check them out.